Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello, everybody. I'm Lou Dobbs, and this is The Great America Show. We're congratulating the new Italian leader, Giorgia Maloney. Maloney is Italy's first woman prime minister, and she's a conservative powerhouse. And she served notice early that she is no friend of the Biden liberal world order, saying the Italian left attacks national identity, religious identity, gender identity, and family identity. Voters in Italy tomorrow appear poised to make a hard right turn. The woman expected to become prime minister leads a party with roots in neo-fascism. The hallmarks of Italian fascism, like this motto. God, fatherland, and family. A far-right political party whose roots go back to post-World War II neo-fascists. Far-right political party whose roots go back to post-World War II neo-fascists. Roots in Italy's post-war fascist movement. Roots in Italy. 20th century neo-fascist movement. Maloney herself uh, was a, a hardcore neo-fascist militant. It's stunning because of Italy's disastrous history, the last time a hard-right party rose to power. The most far-right government in that country since Mussolini. Most right-wing government since Mussolini. Since Mussolini. A red flag if there ever was one, says Edith Brooke, a renowned poet and Holocaust survivor. Italy about to see the country's most right-wing government since World War II. Most far-right far right, far right government since World, World War II. II. Since the end of World War II. Maloney's win will probably send alarm bells throughout Europe. You know, it's alarming to a lot of people around Europe. Italy is revered for its history, but not all of that history is beautiful, and many fear that one particularly ugly chapter could soon repeat itself. Italy's left sounds a lot like the American left, doesn't it? Italy's government moves to the right, and the American left is doing its best or worst to destroy America. Here's one of Biden's Marxist Dem advisors accusing the Republicans, naturally, for what the left is doing to the United States. Here's far-lefty Biden advisor Keisha Bottoms. This election is a very important election, not just for Democrats, but also for Republicans, also for independents and anyone who cares about the United States of America. There is a MAGA Republican agenda that gives no consideration to the rule of law, that has no respect for a woman's right to choose, that wants to defund the FBI. There is a MAGA Republican agenda that thought that it was okay to attack our nation's capital on, on January 6th. I think people will think of all of these things um, when they go to the ballot box, no matter what their party affiliation, affiliation is, and, and I think that they will vote accordingly. You know, I've noticed and I think a lot of people have noticed a certain phrase that you have been using since the very first answer, and that's MAGA Republicans or MAGA Republican agenda. It is a tough 
line uh, taking being taken by the president and by you here right now against Republicans writ large. My question is, will the president and will folks in the administration in the between now and the November 8th elections keep hammering away at that at that phrase, at that imagery? Well, I think it will be important for all of us who care about the United States of America to call out what we see. And what we see, again, with this MAGA Republican agenda is an effort to disrupt our democracy. So whether it be through November and beyond November, I think it will always be important to call out any effort there is to destroy, essentially destroy the United States of America. President Biden has been very clear he wants to work in a bipartisan effort. He has worked in a bipartisan effort. He's been able to get things done on behalf of our country. But when you have a MAGA Republican agenda that has no respect for the Constitution, that has no respect for free and fair elections, then it is important for all of us, not just the president, not just me, for all of us to call it out for what it is. It is a danger to our democracy, it is a danger to our way of life. The midterms here are still 40 days away, but the numbers are still looking great for that GOP wave we've heard so much about for months. Now all the Republican Party has to do is get out the vote and stop the Marxist dens from stealing the election. No small challenge. I don't believe anyone is spending more time, more energy, and personal money to be sure this election is fair and honest than my pillows Mike Lindell. And with us today is attorney Kurt Olson. He represents Lindell in lawsuits against the attorney general and the FBI director for violating Lindell's constitutional rights. The FBI went after Lindell while he was in Iowa on a hunting trip, surrounded him in a Hardee's drive-through if you can believe it, and confiscated his phone. Kurt Olson is a leading attorney and former SEAL representing Mike Lindell. Great to have you here with us, Kurt. You filed the lawsuit. Uh, Mike Lindell uh, and MyPillow Inc. as the plaintiffs going after uh, the United States government and Merrick Garland, the attorney general, and Christopher Wray uh, for the violation uh, of Mike Lindell's rights. Yeah, so, so before we get directly into some of the merits, I'd like to just step back and and for your sure. audience, you know, let them know, let them know what happened, because it's something that, that everybody should be concerned about, because what we are seeing is the normalization of the surveillance state. And so think about this. Mike Lindell gets up at 4 a.m. to go hunting with a friend in Iowa. They're coming back later that morning. They stop at a Hardee's restaurant and pulls into the drive through orders his food, is told to pull up ahead while the food is being prepared. And all of a sudden, an unmarked car pulls up ahead of him, a guy in you know, street clothes, not even looking at him, blocking his way. He starts to become a little concerned. Then right after that, another unmarked car with a guy in street clothes pulls up to the right of him, and then another right behind him. These are all, there's no evidence that these are law enforcement, these guys, or that these cars are all unmarked. And so he becomes concerned and yells out, you know, who are you guys? And then at that time, they say, well, we're FBI, and he's, you know, show me your badges, and, and they do. But this was a, a dramatic stop that was totally uncalled for. 
They didn't announce themselves. I mean, they didn't bring in, you know, a marked police car or anything like that that would that would have, uh, you know, shown you know, who they were, that, right. that they were law enforcement. And this is just the beginning of the example. So they, he cut, gets out of the car. His friend is very shaken up, another female FBI agent. He's surrounded by FBI agents, at least four. And a female agent takes his friend away, who's very shaken up. Mike, of course, as he says, he's been through a lot in life, so he's, he, uh, he understands situations. And they start questioning him about Tina Peters, about Colorado, about why he flies his jet around the country, you know, all of these things. They never tell him that he has a right to counsel. They never say he's under arrest. They never present the warrant that they eventually did. It's just questioning. It's like, how does this happen in America? You're sitting at a Hardy's restaurant, three cars with four FBI agents surround you in the parking lot, block you, tell you to get out of your car, and then start questioning you. And then after about 25 to 30 minutes of questioning, they say, well, Mike, we've got bad news for you. We have a warrant to seize your phone. And eventually, you know, without, you know, he turns over the phone. And they also had a subpoena that was signed the same day. Now, a subpoena is, is merely a, a civil document. You don't have police, you know, pulling you over at, at restaurants to serve you with subpoenas. They could be sent by mail. And the fact that you had a warrant and a subpoena signed by the same magistrate, you know, shows you, and we've pled this in our papers, that there were no exigent circumstances that, that uh, justified this kind of dramatic show of force uh, stop and seizure of his cell phone. And so that's, that's the backdrop with specifically with that stop. But I want to expand a little bit beyond that because what's happening right. in the country is so dangerous. And so, for example, you, you may know that the Department of Justice put out guidance that equated those who questioned the elections as domestic terrorists. And of course, Mike has been very public about questioning the 2020 election, the use of electronic voting machines that he has said have been used, and there's strong evidence that they are being used to manipulate elections. And so he's been on the forefront of that, and the Department of Justice has labeled anybody who speaks about these things as potentially domestic terrorists. Layer on top of that, President Biden's speech of a couple weeks ago, set with this deep red backdrop and flanked by two Marines, where he again, he says that, you know, people who question the elections are enemies of the state. There, what we are seeing now is the normalization of the surveillance state and the police state. And this lawsuit that we, are fired, that we filed on behalf of Mike for his violations of his constitutional rights under the, the first, fourth, fifth, and sixth amendments, the implications of it go far beyond the simple seizure of Mike's cell phone. And I mean, we, we are at a point in this country where this has to stop that these government abuses have to stop. The, the issue that we uh, have on the TRO that we filed yesterday is simply to return the phone immediately and to stop the FBI from further accessing it. So we hope to have a hearing in short order. It's up to the court. We're hoping it could come as soon as next week. But to justify or to win on the TRO, which is, which is short for a temporary restraining order, 
we have to show a likelihood of success on the merits. And that's where our complaint alleging the constitutional violations comes into play. And, you know, there's a number of specifics about that, which I can, I can get into, but if you want to ask, if you have any questions, you know, I can answer those first. Yes, let me, let me ask a few questions. Uh, Mike said at one point, he, he's almost immediately, that he thought this was a bad situation. He thought, obviously, these people, he did not, his first thought was not that they were law enforcement or uh, FBI agents sitting there uh, in, in Iowa uh, getting a, a breakfast at uh, Hardee's. And he said that if it had gone much longer than it did before they identified themselves, he could have as easily as anything on, uh, in reacting. Uh, just bashed through their cars and, and driven away to get to a police station and get help. Uh, th this They're being very reckless. Uh, and you wonder, is it intentional? I think it's absolutely intentional. This was a show of force that, that you know, we will show in this complaint and have shown was unconstitutional. But again, this, this is the normalization of the surveillance and the police state. And it, it must stop. There was no indication that any of these people were law enforcement. And, you know, you're not required to stop for an unmarked car for somebody, you know, if, if some guy in street clothes gets out and tells you to pull over. That doesn't cut it. Um, I have seen, and, and it's my understanding, that you have a right to leave and get to a recognized law enforcement official, one who's in uniform to mark car or something like that, because you don't know who these people are. It could be anybody. And to have right. a kind of a, a dramatic situation like this, this was, they planned this. And this is one of the, the, the issues that, that we have pled in our complaint in terms of a, a Fourth Amendment violation. The question is, how did they know Mike Lindell was going to that Hardee's in the first place? And the obvious implication is, is that they were tracking him, likely through his cell phone, or they had a tracking device on his car, which he did ask him if he had a tracking device on his car, and they denied it. When he asked them, well, how did you find me? They said, well, we can't say. But the most likely explanation is they were tracking him through his cell phone location. And in this country, the police don't, law enforcement does not just get to track everybody through cell phone location. They must first get a warrant. And it does not appear that they did. And so people, I think, have been, you know, they just think because of, you know, you know cell phone tracking and everybody kind of knows that that goes on, that law enforcement can use that tool willy-nilly without getting a warrant, and they can track and surveil anybody. They can't. Google might be able to, and they do, because, you know, you can turn off your locations, turn on or off your location services. But the police must first get a warrant before they can track you. And so this was, this is the first uh, point of uh, abuse of uh, Mike's constitutional rights under the Fourth Amendment that we we pled in the complaint. How did they even know he was there? That's a great question. That's a great question, and and the answer is just about what you would expect from the FBI. I think that the FBI is so diminished now in the public eye. Uh, the American public right now knows what they are, and they are no they are no better. Uh, than a, a Gestapo-like organization. It, it, I mean, it's think about that. I mean, it's the fact, the way they behave, the way they treat a president of the United States, the way they treat a, a, a successful businessman, the way they operate 
uh, throwing, uh, you know, old guys, uh, you know, into the street and with a SWAT team surrounding their homes like they did with Roger Stone, uh, Paul Manafort, various others. It's it's very troubling. You said the norm. It's and I hadn't thought of it quite that way. It is the normalization of the police uh, state, the, the surveillance state. We just should expect it and accept it. And thank goodness that Mike Lindell is not. Uh, so tell us what happens now, if you will. So we have filed our TRO last night. We need to, the, the court will issue an order. Uh, it, it could just grant our TRO right away without a hearing, but most likely uh, the court will order a hearing. We're hoping for that to occur uh, as early as next week. Uh, we will have, today we are gonna be serving uh, the Department of Justice, uh, the, the U.S. Attorney's Office in Minnesota, uh, and and the uh, FBI director uh, with the TRO, and so it's it's on at a you know kind of a wait and see uh, plan right now. But things should move very very quickly because a, a temporary restraining order is a request for emergency relief. Well, is and what is your expectation? Do you think you'll win it? Um, we certainly should. We have pled a number of very clear constitutional violations. The first one being under the First Amendment, his freedom of association and free speech, that they targeted him because of his outspokenness on the elections. As well as in Mesa County, he has been very outspoken. There are three cyber expert reports that are published, and these are credentialed experts that show clear violations of law with respect to the election management server that uh, Clerk Peters out in Mesa County, Colorado, uh, took a forensic image. Let me back up for a moment. The genesis of this case, out of which the warrant that was issued uh, uh, by, by the government to seize Mike's cell phone, arises out of circumstances in Mesa County, Colorado. And the circumstances are where the duly elected clerk, elections clerk, Tina Peters, suspected something wrong with some with a trusted build update that the uh, electronic machine uh, vendor, Dominion Voting Systems, was going to perform in May of 2021. And so she ordered a forensic image be taken of that election management system server before and after that trusted build update was installed. Cyber experts have looked at that forensic image and issued public reports that are available to the, are available, and I'm sure the government has seen them. They're available for all to see. They're posted on the web. And there are th- at least three critical takeaways from this. And it, this gets to the bottom of Mike's First Amendment claims as well. Those reports show unequivocally that election records on that EMS server were destroyed and deleted. That's a violation of federal and state law. Secondly, that there was unauthorized software installed on on that EMS that first voids the certification that everybody touts as the the so-called that that gives security to your vote. These machines have been certified. Well, guess what? There was uncertified and unauthorized software installed by Dominion, according to the experts, on that server. that software allows remote access. It allows the easy manipulation of votes en masse. There is no 
real reason to have that on there in the first place. But again, it's not certified, it's unauthorized. So why is it there in the first place? And thirdly, there's actual evidence of ballot record manipulation within the machine. And that is an explosive finding by the experts. Briefly, what they found was that during the middle of early voting in the 2020 election and in a municipal election held in April 21, that all of a sudden two new databases were created where the ballot records are stored. And then a select batches of ballots that had been already processed and counted select batches were moved into those new databases. And that destroys the chain of custody. There's no way to know the ballots, uh, the voters' original intent from that record data because the, the act of transferring that into a new database destroys that, those what are called SHA files. And so th this is hard evidence that's available to the government and everyone. And it's out of this investigation that the Department of Justice is conducting against Tina Peters and others for taking this forensic image and exposing these violations of law. It, that's what the Department of Justice, they're investigating the investigators. And so Mike has, been, uh, very, yeah, Mike has been very outspoken about this and about this issue, as has Tina Peters and others. And you know, the, the wrongdoing here by Dominion in destroying election records in violation of state law and as ordered by the Colorado Secretary of State when she ordered the Trusted Build update. And there is no doubt that these election records were overwritten. The installation of the Trusted Build, which is kind of an Orwellian term, uh, update overwrote the entire operating system on the EMS. The entire system. These are the entire operating system overrode it completely. These are stunning findings. And so when you see the FBI in three unmarked cars blocking in Mike Lindell in a dramatic fashion at a Hardy's restaurant, questioning him, telling him when he asked for counsel that he can't have counsel and he, they only uh, relented after he insisted, and then producing a warrant to seize his cell phone you know, th these are the kinds of actions that violate the Constitution that, again, are the normalization of a surveillance and police state. Now, you mentioned about the FBI. I don't know if you saw, but last night there was a report on, uh, I believe, Tucker, where there are about 20 uh, FBI agents have come forward to, uh, as whistleblowers to protest against these kinds of abuses. And the one agent that they, they highlighted uh, has been retaliated against for objecting to uh, SWAT teams right. being used to go after, you know, nonviolent people. And, and, that, and so and hopefully that there's whistleblower. His, he's a, a special agent of the FBI. His name is Steve Friend. Uh, he's amongst the 20 uh, whistleblowers that particularly Congressman Jim Jordan has been speaking about uh, and who offer real hope that we're going to get to the bottom of the uh, the extent uh, and the actual specific character of all of the corruption within the FBI and ultimately the Department of Justice. Yeah. 
And let me just add one, uh, another couple of points about this TRO and the complaint. And so people understand because about what their rights are under the Constitution. The FBI cannot just seize a cell phone. You know, cell phones today hold more data than the, you know, you know, 30 years ago, a mainframe computer would take up entire rooms. Well, now cell phones, everything is advanced technologically so much so that a cell phone can hand hold, you know, all the data that 30 years ago would require a whole house basically to hold. And so, right. you know, particularly with Mike, his whole life is on that phone. He runs his business on that phone. He has all his personal, you know, communications on that phone. He has everything on that phone. Including in his our, communications with the attorneys representing him. Of course. Attorney-client communication, communications with, with hundreds of people who are also involved in efforts to expose election fraud and, and the like, who, who, you know, warrants, this is what's called, when you seize a cell phone, that's, that's a general warrant, which is specifically in violation of the Constitution. You know, back, you know, in, in, the, in the 1700s, you know, that gave rise to, to our uh, independence. When we wrote the Fourth Amendment, it was because British soldiers were kicking down doors and going into houses and looking for anything in search of a crime. Well, that's why we have the Fourth Amendment that the framers put into our Constitution. You don't get to just go knock down doors and search for evidence in search of a crime. And a cell phone now has so much information stored on it, the, the FBI or any law enforcement official seeking to, to uh, obtain that, that must first specify with particularity the exact data that, that, uh, that they're going to try to seize. This is, they need to present it to the court who will then either deny the warrant or grant it. They have to show exactly what they need, exactly how they're gonna segregate that data so that they don't get to go rummage through everything on the cell phone in search of a crime. Or in this case, they could, the FBI could be looking for, you know, all the hundreds of people who, who, who wanna remain anonymous, who simply are you know, talking with Mike about election integrity and election fraud. But you know the FBI now has the contents of that entire cell phone, and can rummage roughshod. And you know we've talked earlier about the surveillance and the surveillance state. Well, now all of those people, if the FBI gets to use the contents of that phone, are going to be on a list. The hundreds of well, people I, that Mike is talking with, they're going to be on a list. Well, I'm on that list then. Because Mike and I yeah. have talked about these issues uh, frequently, and uh, the idea that that would then become a leverage point to say, "Well, let's go after Dobbs." Of course, the issue with that is everybody knows that I am very much opposed to the the uh, FBI and the Department of Justice uh, carrying out these uh, these sort of wide sweeping statements saying there's no corruption. Uh, I really want a full investigation. I've been calling for it uh, forever. I, it's, there's rampant cor corruption, and and I just I just I, my blood boils when I think about what they're doing to this country, the FBI and the Department of Justice. I, I think I should be talking about what a great agency they are if they're going to come after me. But I'm going to I'm going to stick with the original story. The original story is they have been trampling our rights for years now, and they have been carrying out a, a campaign of political persecution against Donald Trump 
we're now in the seventh year of that persecution, Kurt. Uh, it is outrageous. Now they've gone after Mike Lindell. I mean, anyone could be next. Yes. And they're making lists. It's exactly what they're doing. They're making lists. So, you know, in, in the intelligence community, there is a phrase called pattern of life. And so they'll take one person and they will build a pattern of life around that person, who they talk with, who they contact, and so forth. And then who those people talk with and who they contact with. And so, you know, the cell phone, and this is recognized in the courts now, you, know, you just don't get to seize a cell phone and that's it. In other words, when you present your application for a search warrant to the magistrate to say there's probable cause that a crime is committed and we need to to uh, seize this evidence. Sure. You you don't just get to you know open the house so to speak and start rummaging through. And given technology now and, and the database technology, once you're on a list, it never goes away. And so what's being created here is you know is the surveillance state. And in China, you have the social credit score. This is all tied in with, for example, the move to have a central bank digital currency and a digital ID where everything goes into a database which allows total social control. It is. It's very scary. This, this is the stuff of totalitarian regimes. It's very, very scary. And if we don't stop it now, we are going to lose our country. Well, it's unfortunately, I think we're well down that road. Uh, and that's not being uh, alarmist at all. It is everyone should find it alarming what is happening right now in Washington, D.C., not just simply with the FBI nor the Department of Justice, although that's that's a hand that's a lot to handle. But the court system itself, my gosh, they are complicit with the, the Department of Justice. Uh, they are over the prosecutors and the Justice Department are overcharging January 6th defendants. The courts are putting uh, horrible sentences on these folks who have been pleading out uh, with misdemeanors. The, the stories are just outrageous. You would think that we were talking once again about uh, the Crown and 1776 and the colonials who were at their mercy. Uh, the courts, why are the courts protecting? What is clear corruption? Why in the world aren't the courts looking at what happened and trying to understand it? Well, you know, courts and judges are people. And so people are subject to the same uh, fears, the same, uh, you know, preconceived notions. I mean, everything. And, you know, there are some very good judges. I mean, for example, you know, the the district court judge out in Florida who issued the order against the Department of Justice uh, involved judge in the raid. Yes. So she issued, you know, what I thought was a very well-reasoned order, staying the Department of Justice use of the materials they've seen, and then appointing a special master to review the documents that the Department of Justice claimed were classified. And, you know, as as you know, one of the points that, that Judge Cannon noted was, you know, in terms of uh, the the uh, Department of Justice's objections to a special master being appointed, and it is that, you know, the only and, and they would complain that there might be leaks. And as as the district court judge said, the only leak came from the Department of Justice when they leaked that picture on Twitter 
of a bunch of uh, covers saying classified strewn over the floor. So the right. only the only leaker was the Department of Justice, which tells you the political nature of that raid and what they're doing now. They leaked that photo on Twitter to create a narrative. And, and it's that. By the way, goes, this is this has become their their standard method of operation: leaking, yeah. leaking, and leaking. Meanwhile, saying, well, we've got an investigation away, so we can't tell you, the media, anything, and the public certainly doesn't need to know. We'll leak to you what we think you uh, should have in order to support our point of view. Yeah. And, and you know, just to follow on this, this thread here, what's, what's very scary is that the 11, a panel, three-judge panel on the 11th Circuit just uh, reversed Judge Cannon's order. And, and one of the the, uh, in, in their analysis was that only the Department of Justice, that they're going to defer to the Department of Justice over what is classified and what is not. Therefore, Judge Cannon's order that a special master review that, um, they, they reversed that, saying that, you know, again, only the Department of Justice, we're going to, you know, we're a court, but we're going to defer to the Department of Justice. So, do you know what? What that means is, is that the Department of Justice has zero oversight. Over what yes. over what they determine is classified and what people can see, and so you see the abuse and the raid at Mar-a-Lago, same type of abuses that were associated with the raid on Mike Lindell. There's a pattern here, and there is no the the court abdicated its oversight to the government on an issue critical to preserving President Trump's rights in that situation, but. It sends a message for everybody because they're saying, well, we're always going to defer to the Department of Justice. So, I mean, I, I really think that their attorneys, uh, the circuit court justice, uh, you know, overseeing that the 11th Circuit is Justice Thomas. And I, I really think that uh, the president's attorneys should be looking at a, uh, an emergency application for stay of that order because the issues raised there go far beyond the president himself. That is a precedent-setting decision that says we're going to always defer to the Department of Justice on matters of a document that's involved in a criminal investigation, whether it's classified or not. And that, that cannot be. Uh, we've reached a, a scary point, as we were discussing. This is a scary point in this country's history. Uh, the, the 11th Circuit ruling, by the way, just so everybody understands, there were three three judges, and two of them were Trump judges, and they ruled unanimously against uh, the former president's uh, rights here. Uh, they just crushed the idea uh, of uh, the presidency, presidential uh, uh, possession of classified documents. They put uh, effectively an FBI agent uh, above the president when it comes to classified documents. It's it's ignorance. It's stupidity. I don't care who appointed them. This is an outrageous decision. Yeah, and, and again, this is a, you know, these decisions are precedent. So this goes beyond just the president, you know, President Trump. This affects every American. Decisions like this will be used in any type of proceeding where somebody, where class, allegedly classified material is at issue, will be used to shield judicial oversight. And so that affects all Americans and their rights. Yeah. 
Well, when you think about it, though, Kurt, the, the, the reality is there is no oversight. The House of Representatives and the U.S. Senate have given up their oversight uh, uh, powers over the Justice Department and the FBI. There's no other way to say this, correct? There is no oversight from Congress as there should be. Well, I'll give you, I'll give you a discrete example, which you may remember. So back in 2015, somebody hacked into the Senate Intelligence Committee computers when they were investigating the CIA's the rendition programs uh, associated yes. with terrorism. And there's YouTube video where Director Brennan had to admit it was the CIA who hacked into the Senate Intelligence Committee computers. Right. And do you know what happened? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. Could you imagine if you remember the church hearings back in the 1970s investigating abuses by the CIA, yep. their assassination programs and so forth? Yeah. Could you imagine any of those senators wearing those hearings if the CIA had had uh, stolen their information, hacked into, you know, maybe, the, I'm not sure if they used computers back then, but, you know, went in their files like Watergate fashion and took them out of the desk drawer, which is the physical equivalent, what would have happened? And so the fact that the Senate, the most powerful deliberative body in the world, and the Senate Intelligence Committee, which has oversight over the intelligence agencies, would allow one of those agencies to hack into their computer systems and do nothing is just, scary. Yeah, and the chairman of the committee was Diane Feinstein, right? The House of the Senate so, yeah. Intelligence Committee at that time. Yeah. And we... Yeah, and, I don't I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Kurt. No, no. I, I was saying I don't think it was Mark Warner. I think it was Feinstein. Then. Yes. Yeah, Mark Warner and uh, <laughs> and uh, the uh, the Burr from uh, North Carolina took over. Uh, and it's it was really an astonishing thing to see Burr when he was uh, the chairman of the Senate Intelligence Committee. He just deferred uh, all together uh, to Mark Warner. Uh, it, it, Craziness, madness. It's just, it's unbelievable. So well, there's with the, that, you know, the, I was just going to say there's the fam- I was going to say there's the famous line by Senator Schumer when President Trump announced that he was going to be reining in the intelligence community, and he said they have six ways to Sunday to get back at you. And that well, I think is indicative of the level of fear that exists and the power that these the intelligence committee uh, community has over the most powerful deliberative body in the world, as the U.S. Senate is called. And I, I, I laugh sometimes when various conservatives talk about the compromised, the compromised President Joe Biden, because we now know that uh, there is plenty of evidence of his, his uh, family's involvement in influence peddling and millions of dollars in, in deals around the globe through his son, Hunter Biden, but they're they're out, and we talk about him being compromised by China, by uh, Ukraine, by Russia. Well, there's a there's a fundamental compromise that obviously is extant here, and that is with the intelligence communities themselves. Can you imagine the dirt they've got on that guy? I mean, it's it's incredible. He can't do anything. He's got to do what he's told. 
He is really nothing more than a puppet, no matter who's at the strings, a foreign power or a U.S. intelligence agency. What do you think? Well, look at you had 51 intelligence professionals sign a letter saying that the Hunter Biden laptop, this is before the election, that that was Russian disinformation. That's now been proven to be false. But this shows, you know, the interplay with the intelligence community and those that support it and the, the, uh, the power that they exercise here to try to defeat President Trump in the 2020 election. I mean, this is, this is very scary stuff where we are at this point in our country. You had, I mean, that's a discrete example of a deliberate act to subvert the truth about something that's a matter of national security. The information on the Hunter Biden laptop showing business dealings between Hunter Biden and allusions to uh, his father, President Joe Biden, the big guy uh, with his cut. That's a matter of national security. Yet 51 professionals signed a letter to say that that was Russian disinformation in an attempt to influence the 2020, and it did, it influenced the 2020 election. All the polling data shows that had people yes. known the truth, there's a significant number would not have voted for uh, Joe Biden. And, and that number, by the uh, way, was so large it, enough to have changed the outcome of the 2020 election. What they did and what they got away with changed American history. Yes. And it changed American history, not just with the election of the president, but with the policies that he's now pursuing. So, you know, as as you know, the first one of the, his first acts as president was to stop construction of the Keystone pipeline and then to eviscerate our domestic energy production. So where are we are? Where are we now? We have inflation that runs not just with fuel, but with food and the, the entire, you know, the, you know, economic structure and the price of goods is affected by this you know, huge increase in the price of gas. This affects everybody. So kind of gets the old saying, you know, elections have consequences. And, uh, and I would say stolen elections have catastrophic consequences. And that's just one example. Well, let's let's turn to uh, further to Bill Barr, speaking of uh, people who contributed to the changing history. He decided not to intervene, even though he knew Biden was lying and he knew those 51 intelligence officers were lying. He chose not to tell anybody that because that would be intervening in the election. So what he did was intervene by not intervening in behalf. He intervened in behalf of a, a corrupt president uh, that we now have in office who should not be there. Uh, were it not for his uh, decision not to, quote-unquote, intervene. By the way, he did intervene, though, actively, uh, not just passively. He also sent out agents to strike uh, the fear of God in them to in social media, in big tech, to make certain that they, and, of course, big corporate media, to make certain that they didn't follow that uh, Hunter Biden corruption story because it was Russian disinformation. It would be an act against the interests of the U.S. Your, your, your thoughts about Bill Barr? Well, you know, Bill Barr has come out publicly and uh, 
demeaned uh, people like myself who have been pursuing evidence of election uh, uh, election fraud and illegal voting and so forth. And the evidence is clear that there was outcome determinative election fraud and illegal voting in enough states right now that would uh, reverse the 2020 decision. And so, for example, in Wisconsin, the Wisconsin Supreme Court ruled in July of this year that the scheme to place unmanned drop boxes, which are not monitored, uh, violated Wisconsin, this is in Wisconsin, violated Wisconsin law. Wisconsin specifically says that any location where ballots are dropped off must be manned. And the, the reason is, is quite simple. You have mail-in voting. You know, you can have, just as the movie 2000 Mule showed, you'll have people showing up with bagfuls of ballots. And it's kind of like something you'd want to know. And, you know, are these, you know, ballots legitimate? And, you know, who's throwing these things in the, uh, in the ballot boxes? But those drop boxes, those unmanned drop boxes, which were used throughout Wisconsin with millions of votes being processed through them, that, you know, that was all funded by Mark Zuckerberg and the uh, CTCL with millions of dollars from that. And the Wisconsin Supreme Court, three of the justices that ruled, it was a 4-3 decision, but three of them wrote in their opinion that when elections are not conducted according to law, they are presumptively illegal and the consent of the people has not been given and the vote, the election is, is, you know, uh, you know, is, is illegal and, and cannot be counted. And the point there is that when you conduct an illegal election, as the, as they found in Wisconsin, you don't have to show the other guy would have won. When you have an illegal election, sometimes you can't tell. And so the fact that the election was not conducted in accordance with law means that the consent of the government has not been granted and the election should be redone. That's just Wisconsin. In Arizona, for example, Dr. Sheba did an analysis of the of one of the 1.9 million uh, signatures on the on the ballot envelopes. He took a a statistically significant sample, about 3,000 randomly selected ones, and compared the signatures to signatures, official signatures on file uh, in Arizona. He found that over 12% did not match. That's several hundred thousand did not match. And it wasn't him finding, I should say. He had six people, three certified forensic document examiners, and three people trained in the procedures at Maricopa for signature verification. And only where all six agreed that the signature did not match did he did he include that as a non-matching signature? That's over 200,000 ballots in Maricopa alone. And so there's no, no follow-up investigation because AG Barr said there was you know, nothing to see it. Well, no, there's, there's quite a bit of evidence that shows, and that's just in two states. I mean, this, I could go on and on about this. And you know, the, the, the idea that, that the 2020 election was the most secure election in history, as we are told by the, the, you know, the Mockingbird media, is simply not true. But when you look at courts where we have been filing these cases, they're repeatedly dismissing these cases, uh, uh, ruling that there was no standing. And that avoids having to get to the merits. And so no court is getting to the merits of this.
which is really troubling. Well, it's troubling because it implies, certainly, that the, the courts are in many cases aligned with the Department of Justice, the FBI, uh, the deep state that is in control of our federal government. And make no mistake, the deep state is in control. Uh, they are, to some degree, uh, co-managed by the Marxist Dems who are directing the Democratic Party. But it, it, this is a, a sorry, sorry time in American history. The judiciary, the Congress, the executive, uh, the, the, the in-your-face corruption is um, extraordinary. Uh, there are some hopeful developments, though, and I want to talk about one of them, Fulton County uh, suing Dominion. Uh, just to find out what's going on uh, because of their uh, concern about anomalies uh, and uh, failures of software and programs and bandwidth and connectivity. Uh, so they're suing. So maybe we'll know more. But no one should make any mistake. There is no regulation over these co these companies, and they are pushing little black boxes out to polling stations and I mean black boxes because no one gets to see what's in them. Well, they're not just suing Dominion over, you know, a general allegation. It's a breach of contracts uh, case because, you know, they found um, scripts that were located, you know, in other words, when they analyzed the EMS, there were IP addresses located outside of this country, which the question is, why, why is that there? And there were uh, what are called scripts, what has been called a Python script, that can be used to exploit access to the system. And whether it's you know, remote access to uh, data export, I mean, none of that stuff should have been on, on these systems. Again, these are certified. This goes back to when I mentioned earlier about Mesa County. There's unauthorized right. software installed by Dominion on that system that's been certified before that was installed. And that, that installation of unauthorized avoids the certification. So, you know, again, if you're, if you're gonna, if people wanna come out there, the, the vendors and the EAC and CISA all wanna say, whoa, the, you know, the most secure election in history, these machines are certified, they're tested. Well, no, there's unauthorized software that's been installed. On a number of the everywhere we've looked, in terms of the Dominion machines, whether it's Michigan, Maricopa, uh, Georgia, Mesa County, Colorado, they have unauthorized Microsoft Server SQL management uh, uh, management suite uh, on there that is um, not authorized, and it's only the purpose of it. It allows the manipulation of votes uh, on a on a, a large scale and remote access. So yeah. it's, uh, this is a very, this, this case out of Fulton County, Pennsylvania is, is very interesting, but it, it, it exposes the lie that these machines are secure, that certification somehow makes them, you know, can give the public confidence that they're secure and that, you know, any of these other safety procedures, which all of which can be defeated very easily. Any computer can be hacked. And even Dominion executives have admitted that any computer can be hacked. Eric Coomer did in a declaration. He was uh, one of their uh, vice presidents. Uh, uh -huh. their he admitted in a declaration that any 
any computer can be hacked given enough time and access. Which is, I mean, it's just stating the obvious. There's nothing, you know, that's, right. that's not some great shattering. You know, yeah. you know, uh, so, but, but that does beg the question, you know, why, you know, why is there this kabuki theater that somehow certification and logic and access rate tests make these machines safe? I'll give you, if I may, just give you one quick recent example. Sure. So out of Georgia, a computer science expert from the University of Michigan, J. Alex Halderman, raised the alarm about Dominion voting machines that use their ICX software, the touchscreen. And he had an opportunity to examine a, a, a server for 12 weeks and why everybody shouldn't get an opportunity to, the public shouldn't have an opportunity to examine, just like Professor Halderman, is beyond me. But he had 12 weeks to examine, and he found uh, a, uh, what he called a critical vulnerability that exists in machines used in 16 states that can, quote, be used to, quote, steal votes. And that this, he thought this was so dangerous that he wanted to have his report unsealed and given to CISA. And um, eventually it was, and CISA issued in June an advisory. And here's the, here's the, the point that, that shows the cover-up. In that advisory, they said they found nine vulnerabilities required 13 mitigation steps. But what they said is that we have found no evidence of any exploitation of these vulnerabilities. Exploitation meaning somebody hacked in and manipulated votes. But they never said they looked. So just as when you were talking about AG Barr, you know, that there was no right. fraud, but he never looked. We talked at the beginning. CISA never looked at any machines to see if these vulnerabilities had been exploited. And so when they say there's no evidence, it's because they didn't look. And if you think CISA, and that's short for the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, just part of DHS, and it's supposed to guard our votes and the security, why the heck aren't they looking? And why are they giving such an obvious uh, misleading statement to kind of do this kabuki theater to assure the public that the voting machines are safe? I mean, the first thing they should have done is had a full-on exploration of a forensic examination of all these machines to see if there's evidence. And what you see in this Fulton County case with this Python script and IP addresses from Canada and elsewhere, I believe, uh, located on the machine, which shows how did that IP address get on the machine from outside the country? It, it's, an, it's an indicator of penetration. This, this is, you know, the world we live on. I mean, when you talk about how the system that has grown up, it's designed to protect itself. And people are being uh, misled as right. to the security, uh, not only of, of, of their vote, but really of, of their rights under the Constitution. We started off talking about the normalization of the surveillance state and the police state. And, and that's exactly, this is all connected. And Bill Barr, again, uh, and I said this from, from almost the very beginning, Bill Barr was lying when he said that there was no corruption or problem in the election of 2020. Because when he said that, he was still Attorney General of the United States, and they hadn't filed a single investigative report there was no concluding report, 
and there had been no time for any investigation of any depth or breadth whatsoever. Uh, it was straightforward what he was doing. And that's a shame. I mean, it's truly just a shame. Uh, but thank goodness, Kurt, that you're working on all of this. Uh, Kurt Olson, we owe a great debt uh, to for everything that he is uh, working and uh, doing uh, for, for Mike Lindell, for all of us as he investigates what has happened in the 2020 election. Uh, and of course, Mike Lindell himself, he has been uh, beyond a stalwart. He has been at the, they talk about the uh, point of the spear. He's been at the point of the spear uh, for two years now, trying to to bring to ground those responsible for what was obviously uh, in various parts of the country, a pure on rigged election. Kurt, we always give our guests the last word. Uh, your concluding thoughts, if you would, sir. Well, thank you very much, Lou, for having me. Um, I do want to say that the uh, the complaint and the TRO filing that we made on, on Mike Lindell's behalf is posted on frankspeech.com. I would encourage everyone to go there and to read those filings. This, is the, this case and the issues we raised there are not just uh, impacting on, uh, on Mike Lindell, but it's impacting on all of our rights. We have to stop what is the takeover of this country by the surveillance state and, and a police state which is being implemented. And there is no, there's no tomorrow on this. It has to be done today or else we're gonna lose our country. And I feel that strongly about this. It's uh, we, we are. This is a very uh, scary moment. It, it is indeed. And you're listening to a former Navy SEAL say it's a scary moment. So you know what what kind of moment it is. Uh, Kurt, thanks so much. I think this it's incumbent upon me to say uh, that uh, Dominion uh, Voting Machines, the company, has denied every allegation. Uh, brought against them for any kind of problem with uh, with the election and their counting machines and tabulating machines. And uh, so there you are. They deny every charge. And now uh, we move forward uh, with a little more information, it seems, every week. And that's a good thing for America and for you and me. Thank you, everybody, for being with us here today on The Great America Show. Thank you, Luke. Thanks, everybody, for joining us here tomorrow. Our guest will be former FBI agent Kevin Brock, one of the top officials of the FBI over the past 20 years. Please be with us for that. And until then, God bless you and God bless America.